Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are so amazed by your grace. I pray that you'd help us never to take it for granted. It's by your grace that we've been saved. It's by your grace that we've been forgiven. It is your grace that leads us safely home. And Lord, we want to make it safely home. And we know that our testimony is never safe until we get home. So today, Lord, we commit ourselves not only to receive your grace, but to share grace with others, to say, there but for the grace of God go I, to acknowledge, Lord, that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. It is not our repentance that procures your kindness, but your kindness leads us to repentance so that we might come to you and taste and see that you are good and drink from the fountain of life and discover that in your life we have life abundant and eternal. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who taught you to pray? I thought about that this week. I'm sure there were godly pastors. I know there were godly pastors at all the churches that I attended when I was uh, from cradle roll on up. And I'm sure I heard them pray. I'm sure I heard uh, deacons pray. I'm sure I heard Sunday school teachers pray. But I'm pretty sure I learned to pray for my mom, probably listening to her pray over the table, at table grace, uh, talking to the Lord, speaking to him. Who taught you the Lord's Prayer? We prayed it together just a moment ago. Did you learn it? Debts or trespasses? Which was it for you? Who taught you to pray that prayer? I love the story of the two guys who were arguing about the Lord's Prayer. And the one said to the other, I'll bet you $10 you can't say the Lord's Prayer. He said, I'll take that base. Okay, go for it. He said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. The other guy pulled out his wallet and said, I didn't think you could do it. Gave him the $10. Well, neither one of them knew the Lord's Prayer. And if we don't know how to forgive, we don't know the Lord's Prayer well enough. Because embedded in that prayer, right in the very heart of that prayer is, Lord, forgive us, and here's the biggest word in the Lord's Prayer, as we have also forgiven our debtors. You pray that prayer? Have you learned to pray that prayer? In Larry Heslip's conference room, there's a, a new table. Um, we've just sort of finally inhabited that part of the office. And uh, it, it's a new table, but it's an old table. In fact, if you look at it closely, you'll recognize it. I invite you to come by. Larry just loves company. Please come by. And uh, the whole church, right now, let's go. No, but just come by and see that that, that uh, table covered with glass is one of the doors that used to enter into our worship center. And it's beautiful. I mean, it is, it is magnificently Beautiful, and I was sitting the other day, and I was thinking, there's something familiar about this. Ta- what is, oh, 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 it's a door. I, I love uh, doors that become tables, but even more, I love tables that become doors. And if we would enter through this door today, we would not only find forgiveness as we seek it, but we would also share it with others. Let me show you in, in God's word the truth about who he is and what he has done. Would you stand with me as we read in Matthew chapter 6? We've just prayed the Lord's Prayer, but let me read just verses 14 and 15, which come right on the heels. I think as an explanation of the prayer, Jesus says something positive, then something negative. We dare not miss it. This is in the same Sermon on the Mount where he has said, if you get to the altar and find out your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right with your brother and then come back and worship 
Because our relationships with each other have everything to do with our relationship with God. It's the same Sermon on the Mount where he has said, you, you want to be like your heavenly father, be perfect like him. How do you do that? Don't just love your friends, love your enemies. Did you hear it in the prayer? Listen in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. You may be seated. The Lord's Prayer comes to us as a whole. I know I've taught it expositorily in segments before. The danger of dissecting things is they don't usually survive the experience. And the challenge with dissecting the Lord's Prayer is that we may do injurious damage to it. It comes as a whole. So isn't it interesting? I just saw this for the first time this week. That Jesus connects bread with forgiveness even before the Last Supper. It's in his prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because we can't live without bread. Forgive us our debts. Why? Because we can't live without forgiveness. And forgiveness and bread have a lot in common. We receive them, they taste really good, and they're even best when they are shared with others. And Jesus was trying to teach us that the only way you and I can fully experience God's forgiveness in our lives is when we share that forgiveness with other people. Think of it as a door. And if the door through which we receive God's forgiveness is the same door of our hearts through which we give forgiveness to others and we shut that door tight and refuse to forgive somebody, won't that same door preclude the channel of grace that God wants to flow into our lives as well? Think of forgiveness that way. Think about it when you sit at your table at home. Do you still sit at your table? I don't mean the coffee table. I mean, do you still sit at the table at your home and when you partake of a meal together let that be a time of grace not only where you where you say grace and saying grace is good but where you share grace with one another I don't mean let that be the battleground where you hash through all the things that have upset you that week I mean let it be a place where the hatchet is buried let it be a place where we pass the grace along with the mashed potatoes if you still have mashed potatoes. Share grace with each other because if we eat this Lord's Supper together for the rest of our lives and we pray the Lord's Prayer every day for the rest of our lives and we even do it in front of our families but we don't forgive other people, the children whom we are trying to teach to become disciples of Jesus Christ will not forgive either because forgiveness is not just a word. It's a deed. And so when we come to the family table, this is our family table. When we come to this table, we discover it's a door through which we seek and find the forgiveness of God. And aren't we grateful for that? That's why we say grace in our home. Somebody said we say grace because by saying grace, we we offset the uh, sort of gravitational pull of our own egos. And we remember that life is not just about us, that even the food we eat is a gift from the God who gives every good and perfect gift to us. And so we receive this grace from God and we are grateful for grace. You hear it there in verse 12 when he says forgive. That word means to release. Forgive us because it's not just me. It's, it's us living together in community. We need forgiveness. It's not just me and Jesus. It's us. Forgive us 
our debts. Is it debts or trespasses? Well, it's really both, isn't it? It's debts in verse 12. It's trespasses in verses 14 and 15 because sin has many dimensions. It's a debt we owe. It's a debt we owe to God. I I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he could not owe. I needed someone to wash my sins away, but now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. This is the debt that has been paid in full through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why we're, we're still so amazed by grace. It's also a trespass. It's stepping over the line. It's trampling on other people's boundaries. Does that ever happen in your house where, where the boundary is clear but we just sort of walk all over it? I, I think about Peter stepping across the boundary who's saying to Jesus, if everybody, else, if everybody else denies you, I will not deny you. Jesus says three times and sure enough, Peter, even knowing he's going to do it, walks right into it and he denies Jesus three times and then even after the resurrection, what does he do? He goes back to fishing in John chapter 21 and what does Jesus do? Doesn't he invite him back to the table? Doesn't he cook breakfast for him? And then he says, Simon, feed my sheep, if you really, really love me, not just as a friend, if you love me with agape love, then by all means feed my sheep, tend my lambs, care for others, feed others. And he's not just talking about food. He's saying, you who have been given grace must become a master chef at sharing grace with others so that they can experience the fullness of God's grace in their lives. And if we don't learn to forgive in our homes... Where do we learn to forgive? My Aunt Valta was a character. I wish you could have known my Aunt Valta. Aunt Valta supported all the radio and TV preachers in the whole country. She was an amazing lady. She was tough. I mean, really tough. I mean, tougher than any man I have ever known. Really, really tough. And I remember as a kid, when we stayed at her house one time, she got in a dispute with my father over some money that was supposed to be his that somehow she had spent. I don't even know the story. I remember we all got in our car that morning and we drove away and some people were mad and some of us were sad and then I remember years later when we came back from Germany and some sort of reconciliation took place and I remember well just a couple weeks ago my Aunt Valta passed away but for the last 10 years or so my father has been making a regular pilgrimage from Colorado to visit Aunt Valta and her kids in Illinois And he picks her up and takes her out to the old family cemeteries and they decorate the graves on Decoration Day, Memorial Day. Uh, That was the name I I think our family called it, Decoration Day. And how he took her out to eat and how he cared for her and how he grieved when she died. And the whole time all that was going on, my three brothers and I were watching closely. We were watching what was happening. Is there forgiveness within our families because those who have been forgiven are those listen to what it says this is the biggest word and it's the word as do you realize do you realize what we're praying Dietrich Bonhoeffer said if you pray father forgive me as I have forgiven somebody else and I haven't forgiven other people I am actually asking God not to forgive me Charles Haddon Spurgeon the great British Baptist preacher said To pray this prayer without forgiving other people is to ask for one's own death sentence. This is serious business. Forgive me as I have already. You mean my forgiveness of others must precede 
must precede my request for forgiveness. What he's saying is not that God's grace is conditional to us and that we earn it by forgiving other people. What he's saying is forgiveness is a door. And if you want to shut that door, well, the door won't open when you need grace coming into your life. And somebody said, I never forgive. And his friend said, then I hope you never make a mistake. We who have feet of clay, we who have made many mistakes, we who have received grace from God must give that grace to others. Lest we be like that man in Jesus' parable in this same gospel in chapter 18. You remember the story where the man owes the king a million dollars? Well, it's the equivalent of a million dollars. And the king says, you're going to go to debtor's prison. He says, please give me time. I'll pay you back every penny. And he says, you're forgiven the whole thing. How must that have felt? About the same way it felt, I think, when we found out that Jesus had paid the price for all of our sins. And then that man walked down the street and encountered a man who owed him a nickel and mugged him on the spot and said, give me my nickel, as he spoke through his teeth, as I imagine it. But the king found out, because the king always finds out. And the king says, hey, I forgave you a million and you can't forgive a nickel and he throws the man in prison and it's worse for him than it would have been and then that haunting statement and so will your heavenly father do to you if you don't forgive people when you come to the altar if somebody has something against you it's your responsibility to go to them before you worship Restore the fellowship before you find forgiveness. Share forgiveness with other people. What's the worst thing anybody's ever done to you? Anybody ever take away a perfect game from you on the baseball field? I've been amazed at that story. Armando Galarraga, did you follow that story this week? And Jim Joyce, the umpire, the unfortunate umpire who had to find the angle somehow to figure out whether or not that 27th batter was safe or out. And in that moment, I mean, it all came together. It was, you know, in real, in real time, just snap, snap, and it's done. And, and, the, and the umpire, Jim Joyce, found himself inexplicably doing this. And that was the worst news in the world for Armando Galarraga because only 20 perfect games have ever been pitched in the history of Major League Baseball. And he had just pitched number 21, but the umpire missed the call. He even admitted it. He looked at it later on film and he went back and he apologized and he cried. Would you have forgiven him? What's the worst thing anybody has ever done to you? And have you forgiven that person? And if you have, you ought to let them know. It's a terrible thing to unleash somebody's shackles and not let them know that they're free. And Jesus said, forgive as we have already forgiven. Uh, forgive debts, forgive trespasses. The categories are inclusive. Somebody trampled your boundaries. Somebody owes you. You got a list somewhere of the people who owe you? Yeah, Tear it up. Get rid of it. Because Christ nailed the list of the things we have done to the Heavenly Father. Have you read this? He nailed the list to the cross so that we could be completely, totally forgiven. Miroslav Volf tells about um, 
1957. He was one year old. He doesn't remember it except for the story that's been told him. He had an older brother named Daniel who was five years old. Daniel got out of the house, got out the front gate, went down the street to some friends who were soldiers there in their city in Serbia where Miroslav Volf was raised. And, and he went down the street and he got in there and he liked the soldiers and they liked him and they put him up on a horse-drawn bread wagon. And he was riding on the horse-drawn bread wagon going through a gate and he leaned to the left and his head somehow got caught and the horses kept going and he died on the way to the hospital and with him died the dreams of a mom and dad for their oldest son and a little brother who never got to know his older brother and Aunt Milica was babysitting that day Aunt Milica should have been watching him Aunt Milica should have known when he went out of the house Aunt Milica should have known when he got out the gate and she should have gone down the street and looked for him but Miroslav said I never knew that Because in my family, even though Aunt Milica was responsible to watch my older brother Daniel, my mother saw that event and the loss of her son in the clear light of God's son being crucified on the cross. And because God forgave her, that whole incident was forgiven at the foot of the cross. And I never knew about it. Nobody ever, though the pain of that event is still very real, there is no guilt or shame apportioned to anybody in our family because, he says, our family put our Christianity into practice. Does yours? Does mine? I hate to meddle this morning. Is it your husband? Is it your wife? Your son, your daughter? Your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your brother, your sister. Is it your parents? Is it your children? Who's on your list? Who's waiting for grace? And before we eat, we really ought to take care of that. Would you pray with me? And would you release that person even now? As we pray, would you release that person? And set them free. And find in forgiving them that you have also been set free. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. We are free at last. In Jesus' name. Amen.